Hey everyone, it's the Monty Man, and you are about to take part in the experience, the strength, and the hope of this episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. Three, two, one, zero. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Come here for a minute. I want to talk to you. Against the wall, can't find peace of mind. Brain needs an overhaul. Views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, the Monty Man. Alright, here we go. Turn around, hit the ground. Time to lay your burden down. Welcome one and all to another fine episode of the Tank 12 Recovery Radio Show. For those of you who are viewing us on uh, on YouTube, um, peace baby. Peace, baby. Listen, uh, over here is uh, Marv R. Say hi, Marv. Hi, Marv. Hey, Marv. <laughs> and and uh, Margie's right there. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, you two. You, you both look chipper today. Yeah. Do you feel chipper? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I, Fake I, it till you make it. That, that's right. That's right. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, if you would like to view our... Um, our YouTube version, you can go to youtube.com forward slash Monty Meyer. That's M-O-N-T-Y-M-E-Y-E-R. Or you can just go to take12radio.com and click on the YouTube link. And we're on all social media platforms, uh, all pod uh, podcasting platforms, all your favorites. Uh, so there you go there. Um, boy, uh, Dave Fleming, uh, one of our co-hosts, his back is out today. It's... Um, I don't know. Have you, have you had back problems before, you guys? I mean, back, back spasms and that kind of thing? I, yeah, my back is hurt. Yeah. yeah it's, Muscle. Yeah, it's, it's, it can be horrible. <clears throat> yeah. You know, where you just, you don't, you, if you <clears throat> dare not move the wrong way, you know, that kind of thing. Ever had that? Have you ever had that, my friend? Back spasms or back pain? Um, just when I was pregnant. Other than that, I've been really lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Dave, our heart goes out to so you. Prayers go out to so you, buddy. Uh, we uh, we're so sorry you're feeling feeling not uh, not completely uh, the vid and uh, not completely Dave. So uh, prayers, man. Um, okay, so. Cecil has been begging me. You haven't heard much of Cecil since you've been here. Cecil's been a little bit on a sabbatical, but Cecil begged me last night um, and just wouldn't leave me alone. Wanted to do a special introduction for the weekly wine. And we all know I like to do a weekly wine and occasionally do a win. We've got both today. But Cecil wanted to do this. So Cecil, you got something, right? You got something there? Cecil? That's right, Monty Man. I'm so sick and tired of your whining and complaining. I thought I'd throw this little ditty your way. So here we go. Oh, boy. A one and a two and a... Stand by your wine. <laughs> Though no one cares to listen. Oh, boy. We all know you love to complain. 
Yes, yeah. you do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Stand by your wife. Oh, boy. It's been your lifelong mission. <laughs> Though it drives the rest of us insane. I'm going sure. crazy. <laughs> Stand by your wine just the same. Oh, boy. your weekly wine monty man so go ahead let us have it even though none of us really give a hoot (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah you know what goes on in the studio stays in the studio right (laughs) uh all right well thank you cecil i do have a wine of course (laughs) so you know i gotta tell you listeners uh there's not a whole lot of movies today that the Monty Man really thinks too highly of. There's there's a couple. <clears throat> but um, as far as the Oscars go, the Academy Awards, the Oscars, I don't care. I, I really don't. Um, but as it were, I'm channel surfing last <clears throat> night, and it stops at the Oscars. You know, I mean, it's awesome. I was going, oh, who's this guy singing, right? And what it was, was about four minutes of nonstop hip-hop rap and profanity. Just And it wasn't like a beep here or a beep out there. It was like, you know, four or five seconds of silence. Because they had to si- they didn't beep it, they just silenced it. It was like every other line in this guy's song had to be beeped out. And, I mean, thank you, networks, for beeping it out. But I'm looking at the audience. There's kids in the audience. There's there's uh, different people's faces were showing different things. But I'm like, this is why I don't watch this stuff anymore. It's just a waste of time. I mean, who – I guess there are people that enjoy listening, you know, being yelled at, being screamed at, being rapped at in, in a negative fashion and being cussed at. I don't know what you you guys enjoy being cussed at. I, I do not. <laughs> You're talking to a dinosaur here. I, you know that none of that makes any sense to me. Me either. <laughs> I I don't get it. It's like it's the same thing as these people that 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 claim to be spiritual that their 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 profile picture on their social media page is them flipping you off. <laughs> Right, are posting right. pictures of children flipping you off, and they go, "Well, I'm not flipping you off." Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. That's your that's your main intro to the rest of the world, and you're flipping us off. <clears throat> or, or you have this you have this moment at the Oscars when you could really make a positive influence, uh, and 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 be a role model for people. And this is how you choose to spend your time. It's the same thing as it was. What was it last week with with the with the Super Bowl? These women are supposed to be role models, and they're half naked. I just, I'm so done. I'm thinking about blowing up my TV. <laughs> there was an old song, old country song. They went, "Blow up the TV, throw away the paper, eat a lot of peaches." <laughs> Eat a lot of peaches. Yeah, something like that. Eat a lot of peaches. Eat a lot of peaches. (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's my wine. You guys got anything to whine about? Oh, you pretty well covered it. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, these are things that are totally powerless over, I suppose. But um, I'll wield my power through the microphone to to share my displeasure. (laughs) It helps me get over it. Um, but of course, you know, with the wine, we have to have a win, right? And now it's time for the Monty Man's <laughs> weekly win because we have to say something positive. Oh my! <laughs> All right. Well, in a world filled with all sorts of negativity and just inappropriate stuff like what I just talked about, there is a lot of really good stuff. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful people. There's a lot of great people out there. 
um, that don't let these kind of things deter them from doing good, right? So we had um, Friday night, we had our yearly bullathon where we raised money for Adult and Teen Challenge. Uh, we know that uh, 30, 60, 90 day treatment centers can be extremely expensive, anywhere from $15,000 a month all the way up to $75,000 a month and higher. Um, one of the de- things that we are dedicated to do at Adult and Teen Challenge is allow no barriers. And so it's not so much about what you're able to do financially, but what are you willing to do to contribute to your program? And so because of that, um, we have to raise money, you know, through donors and, and, and people that would donate because it is a private organization. Um, our goal for the Shed Center here in the Willamette Valley uh, this year for the Bullathon was $18,000. We wanted to raise $18,000 for the Bullathon. We raised $23,000 for the Bullathon. It didn't help anybody's bowling game. (laughs) We were all pretty terrible. Well, I I wasn't terrible. I was actually phenomenal because I didn't bowl. (laughs) I just watched. (laughs) But I think that is a win. You know, you take, and this is a year long program, residential program, um, that has combined in it not only uh, supportive of the 12 steps, and we have the clinical side and and state certified alcohol and drug counselors, and you're talking about the, the brain and the addictive nature of addiction and all that, but we also cut right to the chase, and we, you know, we have the spiritual element of this thing. Uh, where we teach people how to develop a relationship with God and uh, be able to carry that on when they leave after a year. So this was much-needed funds because many of these guys, they've burned all their bridges, right? Their family isn't going to support them. They're not going to get any support. They don't have any insurance. They don't have anything. So these folks that have stepped up to the plate, and many of them, uh, a couple of them, which are sponsors for uh, this show, uh, stepped up to the plate and donated to our bullathon as well. So thank you to all those who did that. Uh, that is much appreciated. You are helping to save lives. So I think that's a win. Yes, that's indeed. a win. That is definitely a win. That is definitely something to uh, to wave your banner for. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with the topic this week: welcoming the newcomer. Um, is the newcomer the most important person in any meeting? We'll see. Um, <laughs> And we'll talk, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but how do we welcome the newcomer? There is a variety of experiences. We put we put the question out on our Facebook page, and uh, it blew up our Facebook page. And uh, we got a lot. I, I'm not going to be able to have time to read all of them, but I'm going to read several of them today. Uh, some very interesting experiences from a lot of people. So we're going to come back and talk about welcoming the newcomer in the rooms of recovery. So don't go away. Check this out. Hey there, did you know that right now the state of Oregon ranks near the bottom in terms of adult and adolescent access to treatment and recovery services? Well, as an Oregonian, I find that simply unacceptable. But this can change, and you can be a part of that change by joining Oregon Recovers, a statewide network of individuals and organizations working together to transform Oregon's capacity to provide world-class treatment and support for Oregonians suffering from addiction to drugs and alcohol. Won't you visit our website today at www.oregonrecovers.org. That's oregonrecovers.org. Hey, check it out. The best in recovery talk and positive music radio is now available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, and Podomatic. Simply visit any of these platforms and search for Take 12 Recovery Radio. Listen and download hundreds of our shows for fun and for free. Also available at Take12Radio.com. He's insane. He's a control freak. So, what's your point? It's the Monty Man at Take12Radio.com on your internet dial. All right, welcome back to the show. This is the Tank 12 Recovery Radio Show, broadcasting from the studios of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting in Albany, Oregon. And uh, the question uh, posted was uh, on social media on our, our Facebook page was, 
What was your first experience as a newcomer to the rooms of recovery and how were you treated? Um, so I'm going to read a couple of these uh, and then we'll chat and then I'll, and then I'll read a few more. And I really, really appreciate those of you who uh, really step up to the plate to, to, to answer this question. Brian G says, uh, lots of smiles. That was his answer. Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel H said, most people said, welcome and keep coming back. Uh, Guy S said, I came in, sat down, and when they asked if there were any newcomers, I introduced myself. I said, I need a sponsor, preferably someone who's militant. The group split, half looking at Big Ed and half looking at Brother Bruce. I knew immediately I was in a room of people who knew me and knew what was best for me. To this day, Albany Group 1 will remain my home group. So, and, and this is this is a gentleman who, he lives up north now. Um, he no longer lives in this area, but he still considers that group his home group. So that's how much of an impact his first day had on him. And uh, that's really good. That's really good. Uh, Johnny V says, first time I, w- I went, I was treated warmly. I actually knew a lot of people there. I wondered why they went missing from the local bars. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Marty, Marty, the one-man party. Marty H. says, I was treated as if I was family, as if I was part of. 30 people signed my first N.A. book. Uh, and that's what he shares. He also says the date was 22798, but it didn't surrender until 227200. So it takes what it takes, right? Um Brandy T says she just felt awkward. Uh she says, I have no words yet, <clears throat> working on step one and al anon. So that's her twelve step program. She says, I still feel awkward. Uh yeah, that's pretty natural, you know, for a lot of folks. Um Linda M says, I was terrified when I got there. By the time I left. I felt like the most important person. Uh, so I'm going to stop there, and we'll pick uh, some more of those up here in, in just a minute. Um, so what was your experience, Margie, when you first came in to the rooms of recovery? <clears throat> well, when I very first came in, uh, I was 37, and I was living in Salem at the time. So I went to a AA meeting at uh, the SOS Club. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew that. It was kind of... Um, well, I guess I'd been living a pretty sheltered life, and I've uh, never been to an AA meeting before in my life, and uh, I felt welcomed, but it was just—it was just uh, such a different environment for me, you know. There's kind of brutal there. At the yeah, SOS there's a lot Club, of bikers right? and yeah, newly uh, recovering people, and eventually I migrated to churches, but um, it's pretty good. It's always been pretty good. Uh, my experience as a newcomer at AA. Did, did, were you surprised how many people were there? Because I know the SOS Club, I mean, it gets, the parking lot is packed. Like you said, there's there's Harleys and Hondas and every car in the world, right? You've got yeah. actually two, mm-hmm. two, uh, two fellowships. Yeah. You've got the A fellowship in the old building and then the newer building you have yeah. the NA group, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So were you surprised how many folks? I was. I was pretty surprised. Mm. It was, I, I just I recall that the room was basically packed. Yeah. And uh and then I, I also went to a Saturday night meeting there at at the SOS club, mm-hmm. even after I started going to churches and that room was packed. It was in the their uh, annex and it was just <laughs> packed to the rim every Saturday and um I was pretty surprised. was it overwhelming that many people for you? Would you have rathered a smaller group? No, I actually liked it Did you? because okay. I could just blend in, kind of, uh, and just be this, you know, newcomer that right. I don't want didn't want to stand out. Yeah, but for the most part, you part you you felt welcomed. Yeah, yeah, good mm-hmm. deal. What about you, Marv? What was your first experience? You can you remember that far back when <laughs> rocks were soft? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was yeah. I I think. My experience might have been a little different than some people or a mm-hmm. lot of people because I wasn't there because I thought I had a drinking problem. That's right. You were there for somebody else. I was there. Yeah. yeah. And um, But let me say this. Uh, also, um, especially for new people to, 
today, mm-hmm. if they're anything like I am, I wouldn't allow anybody into my bubble anyway uh-huh. at the time, Yeah, which was part of my character defect. Sure. And, um, but I will say this, that that very first meeting I went to, I wasn't there 20 minutes and I knew a couple of things. I had to change my way of thinking and there was something wrong with me. Oh. Yeah. That had that kind of an impact. Yeah. On me. So, um, and when I did finally admit I was an alcoholic down the road quite a ways, um, we didn't do a first step because I'd been to so many meetings over the years, you know, people that, ah, you know. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, so the, the room didn't do a first step because right. you had finally admitted that yeah. you had this issue. Yeah. But my second meeting, a guy walked up to me, a gentleman by the name of Austin, and uh, he was a tall guy, and he looked down on me, and he shook his finger in my face. <laughs> and he says, you can't fool me any. I know you're one of us. Wow. <laughs> so How, that, how'd you feel when he said that? Were you like, oh, whatever? Or, or were you like, yeah, you're right? I mean. Um, I recoiled at it. Did you? Yeah. Because yeah. I was stubborn and wasn't going to admit that I couldn't spell it, but I was one. Right. You know? so. But now you look back at it fondly, it seems. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was... Um, Everybody comes in there, you know, in a, in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. And God set it up for me mm-hmm. to show up there. So sure, there I was. Yeah, sweet, <laughs> sweet. Um, okay, so let, let's let's look at a few few more of these. Um, Chris A said, "I felt like I finally belonged." That's a very common thing. We hear that a lot. Uh, Andy K said, "Welcome with open arms." I'm going to save this one from the UK, uh, from some of our listeners over the ocean, um, because he's. Well, I'll just tell you. I'll tell you later. It's pretty cool. Uh, David D said, "I walked into a room in a small town that was filled with friends I used to drink with. It was easy and welcoming." Did you see? Did you guys see anybody in there? That well, you were there for kind of a different reason at first. Did you see anybody in there, Margie? That that you were surprised to see? No, but as years went on, I I would see people I was surprised to see, but not like my first time or anything. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Steve P says my first meeting after treatment when they asked if there were any newcomers, I introduced myself as I had been taught chemically dependent. So evidently he said, I'm Steve P. I'm chemically dependent. Uh, two of the guys got up and walked me out into the hall. <laughs> um, they told me that this was a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and they didn't want any chemically dependent people <laughs> contaminating their meeting. Uh, if I was an alcoholic, if I could identify as an alcoholic, then I was welcome. They had a program that worked to help alcoholics recover. But if I was an addict, they wished me all the best at some other meeting. They walked back into the room and closed the door in my face. Now, what's interesting is his next statement. So if we stopped there, we'd be going, well, that wasn't very nice, right? Um, It sounds like it may have been a closed meeting, perhaps. I mean, I hope it was. Um But then he goes on to say, an old-timer in a meeting back at the treatment center explained that in the real world, it was a good idea to use the language of the homeboys. I stayed clean, got over the shame, humiliation, and returned to that meeting. Eventually, I grew to like and love those two crusty old guys. (laughs) That's a cool story, Yeah. right? So he went back, and somebody he respected said, you know... it sounds like you probably said, don't leave, don't give up, you know, but you might want to kind of learn the lingo a little bit, you, you, you know, and, uh, but it's, it's true. We got to be careful because if we get too harsh with folks that are brand new, they don't know. Yeah. You know, we could, uh, we could cause more damage, but this guy, he weathered it and he went back and now he's friends with these guys. That's, that's really cool. Uh, Ray M said the first time in a room 14 years ago, I was scared to death. 
but I wanted to live. An old-timer sat with me as I cried uh, through the whole meeting, fed me coffee and cigarettes. You could smoke back then. (laughs) He had me stay. Three meetings later, he had me call him every day. Now uh, now Now I host the meetings. Yeah, that's a great story, too. Um, let's see here. Todd W. said he felt like a brother. Vincent W. said I had my big book in hand, walked up to the door, and was told to put my book back in my car. That's interesting. Uh, walked inside, sat down by a lady shaking like a leaf. I asked her what was wrong. She said she had 10 years and was afraid she would drink. I asked, is the sobri- uh, I asked, is the sobriety? And she said, yes. I'm not sure he left out a word there. I got up and I went to the liquor store. <laughs> uh, was in and out of the rooms for 10 years before I found one filled with solution rather than BS, he says. Um, yeah. Uh, don't dismay, folks, though, because no matter what organization that you um, are looking to join or become a part of, there's going to be BS in everything, whether it's church, Rotary Club, Boy Scouts, or Alcoholics Anonymous or any, you know what I mean? There's always, always that stuff. Clicks. Uh, huh? Clicks. Clicks. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely clicks. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen an organization without them. Right. You know? Um, mm. John B. said, I went to my first meeting while I was in <laughs> rehab. I didn't <clears throat> understand yet that the drugs were not my problem, but my using drugs was. I thought I was actually okay. Discovering I had a problem was a greater problem than having a problem that I didn't know I had. <laughs> so I was angry for a very, very long time. I was grateful to be getting clean, but wasn't very sure about the process. I didn't pay attention to how I was treated because I thought that everyone was against me to start with. And so I kind of avoided conversation. So he didn't even recognize how I was being treated. He just probably one of those guys that sat by the door kind of thing or and didn't involve himself. Uh, Mike L says my experience seemed great at first, but only went so far in sincerity and meaningfulness. I was greeted warmly enough in a new NA meeting with smiles, handshakes, and of course the hugs. I came back. Uh, Susan J says came in a druggy buggy, came in a druggy buggy. <laughs> oh, from a facility. Okay. I- <laughs> Everybody pile on the druggy buggy uh, from a facility and didn't like it at first. And I discovered that all meetings are totally different and rise and fall with the people attending. Now, that's interesting, right? Because what we hear a lot of times is no matter where I go, it's the same atmosphere. But I hear what she's saying. All meetings are totally different, right? Yeah. Um, Meetings, and let me ask you guys, uh, I know the meeting you both attend, but you've attended other ones. You've attended other ones, right? Other than your home group. Do they have their own personalities? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Well, how do I say this? Some, I have been to some meetings that intuitively I knew that the spiritual angle of the program wasn't there. Hmm, okay. Kind of the good old boys club type deal. Right. And um, um, so I don't go to that meeting. Yeah, Yeah, sure, (laughs) sure. Um, So I'm going to make an assumption here that you both feel pretty comfortable in your home group, otherwise it wouldn't be your home group, right? I do. But if you were traveling... Have you ever traveled and gone to another meeting? Well, I've lived in different cities and been to meetings there. And yeah, well, at first it's like being a you know newcomer all over again every time you show up. But right, um, yeah, it's it's different because every meeting has their own little way of doing stuff, and they have their own little. Seems like there's always at every meeting, like you were talking about, um, like Marv was talking about clicks. But it seems like there's always. Some person at every meeting that is kind of like, even though uh, we're all just trusted servants, right? They, they are like kind of like 
at least they think they are like in control of the meeting or <laughs> something. But um, yeah, yeah, governors, it, governors, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, a nice way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they're all a little different, but yeah, yeah. We, we, but but did you feel like you were welcomed? Even I. It, <clears throat> So, so let me just say, so when I've gone to meetings out of town where I've never been before, I feel uncomfortable. I don't really feel a warm welcome, but it's not because they're not welcoming me, welcoming me warmly. I think it's me. Uh, it's a new situation, you know, and I'm, I feel kind of shy. Yeah. You know, and I feel yep. kind of out of place. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't echo the sentiment when people say, well, no matter where I go in my travels, because I travel a lot for business or whatever, I feel at home everywhere I go, even if I've never been there. I don't feel that way. But it's not their fault. That's just the way I am. I, I don't, I'm not good at, like, if I go to a wedding and I don't know anybody there except for the bride and groom, I usually don't stay too long. You know what I mean? I just don't feel at home. In, in new situations, and so I have to force myself. If if I'm if I move to another location, I'm going to have to force myself to put one foot in front of the other, get plugged into the meeting until I do feel at home. I can't wait for them to make me feel at home. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I know that. Uh, for instance, I moved to this tiny little coast town to well Brookings many years ago, uh-huh. and so I uh, went to meetings there, and they're. It's such a tiny town that uh, they don't really have that many meetings. And then the meetings they do have, all the same people are there all the time. And um, they're all in their own little groups, their own little cliques. And so a new person shows up and, you know, it's it's just, it's like you said, it's just awkward. You know, I know yeah. that they're, they're not trying to be unfriendly or anything, but it just feels like uh, you're out of place and... I I moved from Salem to Albany like a year and nine months ago, and I started going to Group One. And you know, at first, I I really was shy. I was going through a lot of stuff, and mm-hmm. um, I didn't know anybody except my couple of my roommates. And but as time went on, and it wasn't them; it was just me. I just just was didn't feel like connecting at that time. Yeah. But as time went on, I um. You know, made some some friends in the program, and as as more time went on, and the longer I stayed, I made you know more friends. But but yeah, I understand you can you can feel awkward and uncomfortable. Sure. Um, Suzanne goes on to say, I discovered my two favorite uh, meetings pretty quick, and and was so lovingly welcomed there that I hated to leave them. <clears throat> Uh, all as my stay in treatment was over. So these, these are ones she found while she was in treatment. And when treatment was over, she was moving on. A year later, I came back to visit my favorite meetings and thanked the regular members for being an essential part to uh, my still existing sobriety at that time. Uh, David A. says, uh, what's up, Monty? It was the last house on the block and not, and I was not welcomed anywhere else. Um, perfect scenario for me. Even though I was nervous, I'm pretty sure I knew I was in the right place. Um, Art L says, my very first meeting straight out of treatment. I introduced myself as an al- as, as an alcohol dict. We used to call them aldicts, alcoholics addicts, right? <laughs> alcohol dict. That's how he introduced himself at a AA meeting and was asked to leave. Absolutely crushed me. I understand AA etiquette now. But the walk of shame was so humiliating. Yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you, man. Um, I think there's a way. I think there's a way to to help coach somebody in the right etiquette without alienating them. I think there's a way to do that. But I'm not so sure that we all, you know, we're there. We're 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 here because we're not all there, right? So I'm not so sure just because you're chairing a meeting that you've got. The skills to properly, you know, coach somebody without being offensive. I mean, we're a room full of knuckleheads, that's for sure. Um, and we do talk about how alcoholics, and not just alcoholics, not, but, but, but addicts, and we are very sensitive people, right? So I may be brand new and be very, very sensitive and rough and raw, you know, 
But you may have been around a long time and you may be very sensitive. And my sensitivity is rubbing off on your sensitivity. And now we got an issue, right? And that's where I think elder statesman comes in. I think it's really beneficial when you have people, old timers that have been around that really understand compassion and patience and tolerance, right? And can come into a situation and maybe diffuse it. You know, pull the new guy aside and say, hey, please don't take offense. You know, we're all we're all trying to get better. And, you know, we kind of stumble over ourselves. You know, I think where it, where it's bad for the newcomer is when nobody comes to his aid. You know, when he comes in and, you know, we've all heard newcomers come in and they want to tell us, you know, they're not shy at all. They want to tell us their life story yeah. about every bill they can't pay and, you know, and how their dog got run over and how their wife, you know, their 14th wife has left them. And and the rest of us are going, you know, we're just, we're, uh, you know, because we know what's coming. We're all, we feel bad for the guy because we know, okay, that chair lady or man, we know them. This guy's about ready to get, you know. He's gonna get belted a good one here verbally. We just and we feel for him, you know, and and then it happens, and that's when it's our opportunity to come alongside the guy either at the break or after the meeting or whatever and befriend him. Um, yeah, I've seen that happen, and it, it can be it can be humiliating. Joseph K says, "Keep coming back." Oh, and by the way, can you make coffee? <laughs> that's what he was told. Bob F. says, brothers took me to my mom's house, and the old-timers came and took me to the Humble group. They said, Humble is your home group. That was the name of the group. Is your home group because you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Humble is your home group because you're not. They babysat me for four years. 35 years later, Humble is still my home group. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, So I'm going to save this this last one. for, for last year. Um, Marv. Yes, sir. Is the newcomer the most important person in any meeting? In your humble opinion? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of ways to look at it. One thing I do think is the newcomer is the lifeblood of the meeting. Yeah, that's in our print, too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, you know what, if we weren't there, they wouldn't be there. Ooh. So what, are they the most important? Uh, I'm not too sure. Maybe the guy opening <laughs> the door is the most important. The guy with his hand on the coffee pot and opening right? the door. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, so... But me- I, you know, <laughs> I... I, I'm not trying to disregard the newcomer. Right. Either. I understand the importance. The heart behind that statement. And, yeah. And uh, the reality is, is um, their lives are going to be changed if they want it. True. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My my sponsor, uh, my 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 second sponsor years ago, his name was Doug. He used to tell me, "You just need to understand that." You're the most important person at that meeting. You this is this is your time to be selfish in a good way and put yourself first as far as taking care of you. And you've got to make sure that you understand that your sobriety and and your uh your learning humility and applying the principles in these steps that that is the most important thing in your life right now. Is yeah, it, because if that weren't true, you wouldn't be available to help somebody you down the road. You wouldn't. Yeah. So I, I think maybe <clears throat> it's in different pigeonholes of importance. I guess. I, yeah. You know, but I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know, we 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 do want to make the newcomer feel, you know, like like we're paying attention, right? And I've seen it go the other way too. I, I've I've seen uh, folks come in the room and people act like they're invisible because of the click thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's not a good deal, you know. One of the things that I miss, uh, and maybe this speaks to my age, <laughs> but I remember a time when we had door greeters. I there, remember that. Yeah, we had people at the door, and they, you know, and sometimes more than one, you know, maybe there'd be a, a lady and a, and a gentleman, and they'd raise their hand out, 
and they would hand out a schedule at that time to the person walking in the door. Um, you know, can I get you a cup of coffee? You know, can, would you like to sit here? That kind of thing. I missed that. I haven't seen that. <coughs> I, I don't know. Uh, maybe some people can email in um, and let me know if that happens in your area. I mean, we got folks from the UK. We have people from the East Coast. We have people all over the world um, that listen to this show. Do you guys that are listening, do you have door greeters still? And do you think that's valuable? What, what do you think about that, uh, uh, Margie? You, you think that a door greeter would be cool in your home group? Or do you guys do? Do you have door greeters? Well, we don't officially have a door greeter, but um, now in a group that I was in for years and years in Salem, we actually did have an official door greeter, and that was cool. I did that job for quite a while. And nice uh, at at my group, um, we don't have official door greeters, but I think there's uh, many of us that are pretty um, aware of when a new person comes in. To make the approach. Right. Yeah. And I know uh, uh, me personally, I've, uh, you know, noticed that uh, a new gals come in the in the room and you can just tell they look confused and mm-hmm. never seen them before. And, mm-hmm. and so I try to go up to them and just introduce myself and, you know, kind of find out if this is their first meeting or, you know, if they're visiting or, or what's going on with them and. And just make them feel comfortable and uh, see if they want a phone list and get that going around. And, and I'm not the only one that does that. There's a right. lot of other women and men in the room that do the same thing. So we kind of unofficially um, try to greet the newcomer. And then we always uh, make the meeting a, a first step meeting when there's someone, you know, brand new to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um and I think that's really good. It's a, I guess it's a tradition in that group. Um, but um, I sometimes just worry that we're just overwhelming the new person with, because because everybody's <laughs> talking directly to them yeah, about the their center experiences. Of yeah. So you you got yeah, if you got a room of forty people at a noon meeting, and you walk in, all of a sudden you you're the focus. And people say we don't mean to put the focus on you, but let me tell you, yeah, yeah. and it's like. All of a sudden, I'm getting smaller and smaller. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then again, there's a whole other flip side of yes, that. Yes, yes. It's interesting because some people will say, and they say this about churches too, right? Man, I walked in there and nobody said boo to me. Yeah. Right? Now, the church I attend. See, I would love that. Not to be talked to. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, some, but it goes both ways. Some people don't want, they, they want to be the one that warms up to the rest of the room the rest of the church, the rest of the club, whatever it is. They don't want that put on them. Other people, they really do want that. They're hungry for that. So you got to be sensitive a little bit to both. You know, Um, I I do find it interesting, though, like the church I attend, there are so many people welcoming you and being friendly to you. Um, I don't have a problem with that, but I I know it can be overwhelming, you, you know, um, so sometimes you have to be balanced. I've been to meetings where I really kind of wanted to be a wallflower, even though I've been in my 12 step program, you know, for over 30 years, I, I go to a different meeting or something and I really don't want a lot of attention, you know? Um, and I'd be overwhelmed. Hey, I haven't seen you here before. What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of like, leave me alone. <laughs> you, right. you know, but then there's other times I, I kind of want that. We're funny folks. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. Uh, one of the things one of the things that um, I think we have to be in honor of the new guy or gal, that sometimes we forget within our uh, meeting circles is how we talk about outside issues. And we talk a lot about not talking about outside issues. And we're going to do a show soon. Uh, we haven't done one in a long time on this topic. Outside issues in the meeting? Yeah. yeah. So let me give you an example. Okay. You get a newcomer in there. You know, Maybe there's a couple of them in there. And somebody's, somebody that's been around, this is somebody that's been around a while, and they ought to know better. They start bashing church or pastors 
or treatment professionals or treatment centers, right? Or a number of, and those are, it's interesting to me because the church, regardless of what denomination we're talking about, just the church in general, uh, Protestant, Catholic, everything in between, you know, and treatment programs are our two biggest advocates. They promote us. They allow us to use their meeting halls, their their conference rooms. I mean, many times at no charge or very little, you know, and yet they get thrown under the bus a lot. And so you got this poor new guy, and I've watched this happen before. I'll give you one example. This was back when um, a particular meeting was in a different location in my hometown. And a gentleman who I knew was a pastor, nobody else knew it. I knew it, came into the rooms, and he sat there, and it was his first meeting, and he was struggling. He hadn't had a drink in years, and he wanted to drink. And he shared that. And a couple of people later started talking about how horrible religion was, how horrible church was, and pastors are just pedophiles. And and the guy got up and left, never came back. I think we have to be, those of us who know better, when there's somebody, especially when there's somebody new in the room, we have to be a little sensitive. You know, are we talking, is that an outside issue? Maybe I don't know if it's an outside issue if it's your experience, but if we're bashing people or if we're bashing school teachers or we're bashing politicians or we're, we don't know, maybe the guy's the county commissioner. We don't know. Or we're bashing law enforcement. And... The guy happens to be a detective, and he's in there because he needs AA or NA, right? I think we need to be cautious about that stuff, and I think more times than not, we don't even think about it. Your thoughts? Well, I uh, I don't know, three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, one of our prominent members in our group brought in a newcomer, and it was a lady. Uh-huh. And uh, there was an incident um, prior to the meeting between a couple of individuals. It got real close to fisticuffs, violent, hollering, screaming. Right. And the prominent member talked to this lady and said, hey, this isn't the norm. Don't be scared off. And she never came back. Hmm. So stuff like that does happen. Yeah. Um, I, I've i kind of got a, a r- rule myself uh-huh. that, that I, I'm really hesitant. Uh, these people that have the ability just to be Mr. Uh, good Guy all the time, hey, how you doing, and big grin and all that, that's not me. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, I spend a lot of time paying attention to people and I don't know how many times this has happened that a guy or, and it's mostly guys because I don't approach women right this way, but I, I, there's something that's telling me that that guy needs some encouragement. That guy needs uh, to know somebody's paying attention. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now they may be three or four days into a meeting or a week. Right. I see them every day, and I'm watching and paying attention. And I'll walk up to them and I'll give them some encouragement or something, you know, on the on the quiet. Mm-hmm. I feel for me and my personality, and that that really works the best. Yeah. Instead of running around, shaking everybody's hand and putting on this, to me, it's a show. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and when I tell my story in our first step, I don't talk about my drunkalogue, tell these war stories. Right. You know, I just say, hey, I've drank enough to be here. I'm qualified. And then I talk about how you can get into recovery, the things... Sure. You know, and and in my mind, they're not going to remember it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they will remember the fact that you, you you cared enough to approach them and 
just to yeah, give an encouraging word. Try to let them know they're a value. Right. You know, when yeah. I first came in, I thought I was on the bottom of the ocean. Sure, sure. You know, and so in my mind, that that's kind of an important thing, you know. And, yeah. and they look at, you know, I'll say, hey, you know what? You're of high value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they, what? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, and later on they find out they are. I, I think one of the things that is vitally important, too, is um, especially in today's world, we've got such a outward mix. That I think the mix has always been there, but it's more obvious now. People are more open about certain things in their life, right? Uh, people talk more openly about their faith. People talk more openly about their uh, sexual orientation, for instance. People talk more openly um, about their professions and things like that. Uh, people could call them outside issues, I guess. I, I, you know, I, I'm one that thinks that if it's your story and it has to do with your recovery and your ability to stay sober, it's not an outside issue. Um, but I think we have to be mindful uh, you know, when when guy, I've heard guys come in. I've never heard a woman do this, but I've heard plenty of guys come in and say, "What it did? You know, I'm just really disturbed today. This kind of thing used to make me want to drink, and thank God it doesn't anymore." But did you see that article about that pedophile? And you don't know who's in the room. You don't know if there's a guy who's one of these hurt people that hurt people, right? And he's trying to get his life together, or some gal. Or people make snide remarks about people that have same-sex attraction issues. Give me a break. We're supposed to be. You can have your opinions. I certainly have mine. Everybody knows that. But but when you're in a meeting and you're in a 12-step fellowship meeting, that stuff, you need to put the pause button on that. Because you don't know what that person's history is. You don't know what their background is. You don't know where they've come from. Now, I'm not... I'm not suggesting that that we look over our shoulder and we're we're so careful about our words, everything we say, that we can almost not talk. But we got to do better. Um, there's a lot of bashing going on, and it's not you know, I because of my background in in the faith community, I'm more prone to hear the church bashing and the faith bashing a little bit more. But somebody else may come out of a different background. They may come out of the LGBT. I can't even say the initials community and they may be hearing a lot of that kind of bashing or somebody may be hearing a lot of of, of political bashing and the guy may be a politician. He has every right to come to AA or NA or celebrate recovery as anybody else does, doesn't he? If he's trying to solve his drink problem or his drug problem. Absolutely. And, and, And I think I think sometimes we need to check ourselves. A little bit, you know. Um, so I want to read this this last one, and I and I, and I love this. Uh, this comes from Keith J. He is an avid listener to the show. Uh, I believe he's from the UK. Uh, he says I was warmly welcomed by the man who I had previously spoken with on the telephone answering service. I later realized he was also the group secretary. Somebody made me a cup of tea and offered me a biscuit. There's a cue that he's from the UK right there, right? Yeah. Right? Everyone was very kind and loving. I had nowhere else left to go. So non-judgmentalism and acceptance was a major thing for me. The folks shared some of their experiences, and I felt relief that I was not alone in some of the less than savory adventures and disasters that I had been involved in. The group secretary became my sponsor after a month or two. My first meeting was in a small town in Mid Wales, UK, on a Friday night at 8 o'clock. The early advice given to me proved to be invaluable. Most importantly, it was suggested that I keep coming back, stay out of wet places and away from wet people, and also to buy myself a copy of the big book and read it. It's my 22nd sobriety anniversary Sobriety anniversary in three days. So this was posted the other day. So congratulations uh, to uh, Keith J. 
that is awesome. 22 years. It's uh, my 22nd sobriety anniversary in three days, although I didn't stay stopped after that first meeting. took me a while until I accepted my total powerlessness and surrendered my will, but they still welcomed me and still said, keep coming back. Those guys knew what they were talking about as far as I was concerned. Grateful I am to them all, to you, Monty Man, and to everybody in the fellowship. Power on, Monty. Um, I love this part. It took me a while as I accepted my total powerlessness and surrendered my will, but they still welcomed me and still said keep coming back. Even though he was a bit of a mess for a while. He didn't just come in. And oh yeah, I'm I'm reading the steps there before I've applied them and I'm staying sober and now I'm sponsoring people and he kind of stumbled over himself, right? Yep. And they hung out with him. You know. Um that speaks volumes to me. I think there are probably a lot of stories of people that have had bad experiences in any organization. But I think for the most part, wouldn't you guys agree? I think for the most part within our 12-step fellowships, I think there's a lot of good. And I think for the most part, people are welcomed well. Yes. You think so, Marv? I think there's a lot of God working. Yeah, there's a lot of God working. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Which is going to be good. Which is going to be good. You know, one of the things that I value because I, I was I was hurt deeply by my home group at one time, lo- a long time ago. But one thing that was instilled in me by a sponsor, and this is why sponsorship is so vital, was you know if you get food poisoning at a restaurant, you don't stop eating out, do you? You find another place to eat, or maybe you give them a second chance. Any restaurant can have a bad day. I think it's the same thing. You know, you get burned at one church because somebody, you know, does you wrong. You don't stop going to church. Some people do. Don't stop going to your AA meeting. Don't stop going to your NA meeting or your CR meeting or whatever. You know, find one that you can plug into. And so I had to do that. You know, Uh, for the most part, I go out of town. Um, There's reasons for that because of another area that I work in as well. Um, But... Don't give up. I think that's important. Any closing thoughts? I don't know why my microphone's being weird. Closing thoughts? I, there we go. Go ahead, yeah. Marv. Well, I you know I just want to encourage people that uh one of the basic things that I think I operate on that's correct and I can probably get hit upside the head if I'm wrong. (laughs) Right. You know, for the new people, it is is extremely um, hard for a woman or a man to walk into a meeting and never been there before and all these strange people. Yeah. It's very hard. But one of the spiritual principles, I believe, is a reality is don't operate on how you feel about it. Mm. Just go do it, mm-hmm. no matter how you feel, because in milliseconds it can change. Wow, you know that is so true. Yeah. So I really encourage the new people to don't be intimidated. I mean, you're going to be, but disregard it and keep charging forward. Right. <laughs> right on. Closing thoughts? Uh, I I agree with Marv totally, but also um, I know personally for me the only time I've ever I feel like I've ever grown uh, as a person mm-hmm. is walking through really uncomfortable times, yes, uncomfortable events and and uh, moments, and so just like Marv, I would encourage people, even though it's it's really uncomfortable, especially at first. Mm-hmm. Just do it and just uh, take that first step. And it, a lot of times uh, you're going to be so glad just the minute you walk through the door. So it's just like the, the matter of just getting your your foot through the door and then, and then uh, you know, take it one minute at a time yeah. from then on. Yeah, really good, really, really good advice. 
So something I tell the guys out at the Adult Teen Challenge Center when they're when they're running into conflict with each other is that listen, one of the biggest reasons that we medicated was other people's stuff, right? Right. Um, how do you learn how to deal with difficult people by being thrust in the middle of difficult people? You don't learn by being on a mountaintop somewhere. <laughs> totally away from them. How do you learn to deal with difficult situations? Be in the difficult situation. That's how you learn. So now you can be, because the world's filled with knuckleheads that are the same ones in the meetings, right? That are difficult people. Well, now you're in a safe place and you're, you have an opportunity to learn how to deal with difficult people and not medicate, right? By learning some valued principles that we call within our recovery fellowships, the 12 steps, learning how to apply them, implement them on a daily basis, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Um, but, but the promises of these things, they'll, they'll, they'll always show up, you know, if, if we keep putting one foot in front of the other and we work for them, and we have a desire to, to do the next right thing. And I, I believe they do. So um, if, if you're trying to deal with difficult people and situations by running away from them, you're never going to learn how to. So it's it's what I've been saying to the guys recently is, you know, gifts come in strange packages. You know, and they may be some very strange packages, but they may be one of the most valuable gifts you ever receive. Um, so our closing song is a song entitled We're Glad You're Here. It's all about this, welcoming the newcomer. And, and I want you to 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 listen. Make sure you listen at the end of the song. I'm going to tell you how you can get this entire CD. Um, the CD is called "Learning to Live Again" by the group Just Ray. This is our friend Conley White, who has uh, he has gone on to uh, to live his eternity with God, and uh, but he left us with some amazing recovery music. Um, so you can get this entire CD. There's a way to do it. Um, but you got to listen to the end of the song and, and to tell you how you can get that. Uh, here is Conley with We're Glad You're Here. In the basement of the church around the corner Quietly I found myself a seat and held on to my little cup of coffee Early admitting my defeat They talked about some steps and some traditions And some promises I didn't understand Feeling out of place I walked toward the back door gentle voice of some old man We're glad you're here Cause we've been there And it's hard to find someone who understands enough to care Put down your pain Cast out your fears We've all been there And we're glad you're here And sat right down beside him Listened as someone poured out her heart I thought about my past and my condition All the years of living in the dark She talked about her fears and her confusion I listened as the tears rolled down her face I realized I felt what she was feeling When she finished I heard someone say We're glad you're here Cause we've been there And it's hard to find someone who understands Enough to care but down your Cast out your fears 
we've all been there And we're glad you're here We've all been there And we're glad you're here We're glad you're here Cause we've been there that's Mr. Conley White and his group, Just Ray, with their song, We're Glad You're Here, from the CD, Learning to Live Again. Now, our good friend Conley has gone on to be with the Lord, and uh, his music is still alive and well. And he gave us permission some time ago uh, to make copies of this CD, Learning to Live Again, so we can give it away to you now and again. And that's what we're going to do right now. So listen, if you are the fifth email to send me an email and in the subject box and type, I want my CD learning to live again, along with your contact information, that means your mailing address. And this is within the U.S. only now and send it to T-A-K-E-1-2 radio at Comcast.net. That's take 12 radio at comcast.net be the fifth email and we will send the entire cd learning to live again by the group just ray and mr conley white as his gift through us to you until our next broadcast this is the monty man along with the take 12 recovery radio family and we are wishing god's perfect serenity for you bye-bye now This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 meow. <laughs> <laughs>